0: please be seated. Well, it's good to see you all this morning. Aren't you glad that it's fall? <laughs> Not summer. Um, summer ends uh, around here with, with July, so July is almost over and, and fall is here. Now, now, how many of you just aren't feeling it just yet? Um, ba- bear with us. Um, there's a lot that, that happens in the fall. Uh, fall, we were talking in Sunday school earlier this morning. Fall is it's one of my favorite seasons. In fact, it may be my favorite. The the, the cooling off, I mean, for some of you who've been here, I think it hit 88 three times. Um, that was supposed to be funny. It's, uh, uh, I grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth, so August was never the cool time. Um, God made August in Texas. So you wouldn't want to go to hell, and it worked for me. But but I, I love the fall. We we have a lot that's spinning up, a lot that's happening here uh, in the life of our church this fall. In fact, um, this Friday night we're having a parents' night out to kind of help uh, kick kick off the the end of summer and and beginning of fall. So if you if you want more information about that, I believe it's 5 to 9. You can see uh, Cynthia, you can sign up, go to our, our webpage, fbccloudcroft.org, or our Facebook page, uh, First Baptist Cloudcroft, and, and you can sign up for that. Our kids' programs are, are starting up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, kids' club uh, for grades, uh, well, pre-K through 5, and then our, our, our student ministry for uh, 6 uh, through twelfth. Believe it or not, all that starts up August the 14th because... School starts for high school, middle school, August the seventh. yeah, I saw about three kids. Their face just fell when i when I said that elementary don 't worry you don 't have to start until the thirteenth no the fourteenth right thirteenth what do I care i 'm not in elementary no um, but i I love the fall the 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 cooling of, of the weather, the changing of the leaves we get some really pretty color up here. And, and and then I, I'm not as big a fan as I used to be, but, but this, this little thing called football starts up. Any, any football fans here? Like four of you. Any of the four Dallas Cowboy fans? There you go. See, I got more with that. I grew up right next to Texas Stadium in the glory days with the coach, Tom Landry. Yeah, I'm still waiting for a return to the glory days. If that happens, we might get broadcast TV again. I, I don't know, but I, I love I, I, I love the fall and, and sports is is really cool. I, I played football. I don't look like it. I ran track and cross country. I don't look like that either. Um, I, I, I played until I got to 10th grade, and all the guys were 220 pounds and six foot one because I was in a big school in, in Fort Worth, and I didn't like being a tackling dummy. And, and I like to tease my friends. Um, I had become a Christian, so I had to quit football. It, it didn't relate to that. I mean, it was because of my size that I quit or lack of. Um, but, but one of the funny things about sports, I don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever done this. You get together, and it's really cool. I love, love, love our town, Cloud Cross, small town, and, and I just love that growing up in, in the big city. Um, you, you gather together, and you pray before a game. You guys ever do that? That's like one of the hardest prayers ever. God, would you help us stomp them into the dirt? That doesn't—that doesn't seem right. Um, Lord, they've won enough games. If you could help us win this one, you know that that doesn't quite seem right. What? You know, you pray that the other team would lose. Is that really? You know, about the only thing I could ever settle on when you're praying in, in a situation like that is God keep everybody safe as we do our best to pound them into the dirt. I don't know how they... <laughs> but it feels weird praying like that. And, and, and so we're, we're in Joshua. Turn, if you would, to Joshua chapter 5, and we just have a few verses that we're going to hit on today, 13 through 15. And, 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 and I can't help but feel Joshua kind of found himself in a situation like that. That, that, you know, here it is that they've, they've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. God's brought them across the Jordan on dry ground. They've left the, the old behind. There, there's a lot of new things that are happening now and, and they're getting ready to go and actually take possession of the promised land. And they're camped right outside of Jericho, the, a really heavily fortified city. We'll, we'll get into that in a couple of weeks. And, and, and here they are, and they're ready, and God's getting ready to move. And I can't help but think there's an us and them mentality happening here. Read with me, if you would. Um, by the way, for those of you who are really impressed that I'm reading from s- such a small Bible, did you know they make these things in large print? Isn't that great? It's amazing. So so verse uh, 13 Uh, Here they are now they're getting ready to go and to take jericho and here's what happens When joshua was by jericho he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold a man was standing before him with his With his drawn sword in his hand And joshua went to him and said to him are you for us or for our adversaries Now, now? We've all been there, haven't we? You know now now god We need to win this ball game you know, that, that, that's almost like, like what, I'm, what I'm feeling like, dude. Joshua is there. Are, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? In other words, uh, you know, from the south, are you for us or are you against us? You know, that, that, that's the, the feel that, that I get here. And, and, and Joshua, and, and, and I know what he must be thinking, but we, we've already got some over here. We don't need adversaries coming from a different direction. I, I love the answer. Verse 14 and he, that is the man standing with the sword drawn, said, no. You ever ask a question and you're like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. That, that wasn't a yes or no question. Does that ever happen? Or maybe you ask a yes or no question and you get this really long explanation. And at the end you say, was that a yes or was that a no? So, so Joshua, Joshua sees this man. I, I, I expect, I, I just imagine this is a very imposing man. With his sword drawn, he looks like a warrior. And Joshua said, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he says, no. Now, now, thankfully for Joshua, it wasn't a very long pause, just a comma. And then he says, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Now, Lord, anytime you remember in the Old Testament when it's capitalized is Yahweh. What he's saying here is I am the commander of of the army of Yahweh now I have come. Now, this this is a little side note. We could have spent the whole time on this and I really debated. Do you know who this is? Let, let's look a little further. Keep reading. And Joshua fell to his face or on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him what does the Lord say? This is little little L. What does the Lord say to his servant? Now, we see this sometimes in Scripture that whenever an angel, I, by the way, you, you do know Hollywood has really messed with our minds when it comes to the Bible, right? Angel aren't those cute little chubby face things that we see you know, with a little harp or, you know, a little, little Cupid with his arrow, you know, that, that float around on clouds all day. Every time in Scripture where an angel shows up, the reaction is almost universal. They fall to their face and they quake in fear. But there's one thing that an angel will not let you do. They won't let you worship them. In fact, the, the ones that have tried in Scripture, the, the accounts of that, they say, no, get up, get up, get up, yeah. quick, quick, quick. That's what got that other guy in trouble. You know, he wanted to be God. And so an angel, an angel would always refuse worship. Never in Scripture can you worship an angel. And, and here Joshua falls to his face, and he worships, and he says, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of Yahweh's army said to Joshua, something that we've heard before. Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, now, cool thing, there's a lot here, and and we don't have a week to study this, so we'll we'll pack it in before the hour's up. I I see a, a few things happening. One is God is tying together Moses and Joshua in a very clear way. This happened to Moses. You remember the burning bush? And Moses sees this what looks like a a bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed. And he said, I'm going to go check this out. And so he he goes over there, and cool thing, the angel of the Lord is in the bush. I don't know if you've ever looked at this closely. And, And I think it's the very next sentence that says, and God said to Moses, take the sandals off your feet, because the place you're standing is holy ground. Now, we know no one can see God, right? God doesn't take physical form. Who is this? Who is this commander of the army of Yahweh that allows worship? It's the pre-incarnate Christ. Now, I know some of you, that blows your mind, but think, think with me. Let's don't, we don't have to get weird about this. You know that God the Son has existed from eternity past. He's part of the Godhead. He was not created. When, when we read in John chapter 1 verse 14, and the Word became flesh. This is the Word that was with God from the beginning and that everything that was created was created through Him. When this Word became flesh, what that, what that wording is there in the Greek is the Word melded together with flesh. It already existed guys, this is Jesus. Some of you are like, I don't know. Okay, well, research it when you get home, dig through. But by the way, you know, Jesus is the Greek name. Jesus was Hebrew. You know what Jesus' name was that his mommy and his daddy gave to him? That that God told him? It was Yeshua, Joshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. This is God the Son who's come. And and listen, I love the the Bible so much fun. If you dig just a little bit into languages, it gets a lot more fun. Yeshua meets Yeshua face to face. This is Joshua and Joshua. This is God the Son with Joshua. And, And I love what he says I am the commander of the army of Yahweh. Now I've come. The the deal is we can get started now. Isn't that great? So he's tying together Moses with Joshua because Yeshua, God the son, met with Moses face to face. And now Joshua gets to meet with him face to face. But but there's something else here that that really is where I want us to spend the rest of our time this morning. Joshua asked him a question. Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And the answer should change the way that we look about everything. He says, no. (laughs) You see, here's the thing. God doesn't get on our side. You get that? What Joshua is saying is, are you on our side or are you on their side? And he says, no. Mm-mm, you, you got it all wrong. You, you see, Joshua, you need to get on my side. He, he said, I am the commander of the army of Yahweh. And, and, and the, the question is almost implied what side are you on, Joshua? You see, we 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 do this without even thinking. We make our plans, we we have our deal, and and, and I, I admit I'm just as guilty as everybody else. And we say, God, we want you to bless this. God, 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 would you would you come over here? I, I'm doing something. Would you come over here and 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 help me with this? And, and what we're saying is, God, would, would you come over to my side over here? Would, would you come over and, and, and let, let's get involved in this together? I, I can just see, I, you, ever, you ever had those times where you said, I shouldn't have said that? <laughs> I, I, think, I think Joshua at this moment was like, oh, that's right. But, because really kind of what Joshua is saying is, hey, look, I'm doing something great for God here. You want to get in on this? And we think, what, what a crazy thing to say, because God's the one who's directing this, and yet I think we find ourselves in exactly the same situation far more often than we would ever like to admit. God, I'm going to do something great for you. Would you, would you get in on this, would you? And so the answer that that, that the commander of the army of Yahweh gives should make us stop in our tracks. It should change the way that we look about things. Rather than saying, God, would you get on my side? God, would you jump in and bless this? God, would you take care of this for me? God, would would you, would you, would you? If we just adjusted our thinking and say, God, what would you have me do? What if What if we changed our thinking into saying, God, I want to get on your side. God, where where are you? That's where I want to be. I'm not going to ask you to come over here. I I want to come to you. And and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, about being on God's side. (laughs) I want to be on God's side. I don't want him to come over and be on my side. I want to be on God's side. Because that's where God is going to move. That's where God is going to work. And that's where God is going to bless. And I'm not talking about money stuff, although God uses that too. I'm just talking about us getting to where God is. So, so let me just give you two things. We, we just have two, two main points here. But, you know, I'm a pastor, so we've got sub points. The first one is this, is when it's God's side, it's God's terms. That, did you catch what he told Joshua? I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. And he fell down. Joshua fell down and, and worshiped. And we should all live a life of worship. And, and that's not only singing songs. That's part of the way that we worship. Do you know the, the word worship and service are so closely connected in Scripture, it's hard to tell them apart sometimes. Sometimes they don't know which way to translate it. That we should live a life of worship. We should live a life that points to God. And so Joshua did that. He did the right thing. But, but he kind of did it on his own terms. I, I think what God was reminding Joshua when he said, take your sandals off because you're standing on the holy ground, is Joshua, you have to come to me on my terms, not your terms. You ever tried that with God? You, you, ever, you ever bargained or negotiated with God? God says, Larry, I, I want you to give me everything. And I said, okay, I'll get everything but except this thing right here. I'm going to put that in my pocket right there. When God called me in the ministry, I was scared to death I was going to have to go to Africa. I've actually been there three times, Ethiopia, but that's not where I stayed. And sometimes if we're not careful, we want to come to God on our terms. Lord, God, I, I give you all of me as long as you don't call me to go to Africa. Lord, I, I give you all of me as long as I don't have to leave Cloudcroft, because I've been other places in the summer and I know what that's like. I I, I've, I learned early, early on, I had some really good mentors, some good godly men that spoke into my life, don't ever tell God what you won't do. He has a habit of reminding us of who we are and who he is. So, so I would even say, Lord, I will serve you in Yuma, if you call me there. And I hear it's hot in Yuma. Population's 10 in the summertime because everybody goes somewhere cool. But well, we do that, don't we? We come to God on our terms. Lord, I want to give you everything. Just, just don't ask me to give it away. Got to give you everything. Just don't ask me to give it up. Lord, I serve you however you want me to, as long as it's in Cloudcroft, New Mexico. God reminded Joshua that, hey, look, my side means my terms. Joshua, you're going to have to do this on my terms. Take your sandals off. The place that you're standing is holy ground. And and here's here's what makes it difficult for us to do this. It's this realization that it's not about you. You ever been told that before? It's not about you. Try telling that to a two year old. It's not about you. They're like, oh, yes, it is. That's hard for us to, listen, I know because I live in the same world that, that you live in. It's hard for us to forget it's not about me but God, this is happening, and Lord, this is painful, and Lord, this is tough, and and God, I don't like this, and Lord, they're being mean to me. In in those moments, I can imagine God saying, you know, Larry, I I think you forgot. You see, it's not about you. I I did this one time with somebody, and I'm not quite sure if they took it well or not, but they were kind of acting like it was about them, and I got like two other people, and we held hands, and we revolved around them. And they said, what are you doing? I said, well, you act like the world's revolving around you. <laughs> we just wanted to get in line. W- what, if, what if God was more concerned about your holiness than he was your happiness? What if he was more concerned about your character than he was your comfort? You see, we, we kind of forget. We, we think it's about me. And, and, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray what's on your heart. Listen, if you are distressed or distraught about something or something is painful, when you're hurting, you go to God. You take that to him. And, and I'm telling you right now, anytime someone that, 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 that I care about is hurting, I pray that God comfort them. Whenever somebody's in the hospital, I pray for recovery, and, and I believe we should do that. But don't, don't think that God looks at us and orchestrates everything around us. We, we are just not that big in God's eyes. Now, here's the cool thing. God is sovereign. That means he's omniscient and he's omnipotent. He knows everything, and he can do anything And in God's sovereignty, often God works for his glory and for our good at the same time. And that's amazing when you think about the people on the planet, that he's doing that for believers. He works for his glory and for our good, and that's cool. But don't ever forget, it's not about you. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our happiness. I've heard that so much. I don't even think I like the word anymore. The Bible word is joy. That goes much deeper, and it's not dependent on the circumstances. And there's the second thing that that I want us to to remember as we will launch into Jericho in just a couple of weeks. God's reminding Joshua, and he will in the next passage, it's God's side that means it's God's way. Any of you like certain ways you like to do things? Do you, do you have that? Man, I am bad about this. My kids can tell you, my wife can tell you. There's sometimes I just like it. I, I like it a certain way. I want my creamer. When I open the refrigerator door, I want my creamer to be in the front. Now now part of this is just survival, okay? Because when you put the gallon of milk in front of the creamer, that creamer doesn't exist anymore. It's in another dimension. It's not there. I can starve in front of the pantry. Cynthia, she's learned to try to catch me before I get frustrated. She says, what are you looking for? I'm looking for the pepper. Well, you might have to move something. I'm like, well, that's it. I don't need pepper. (laughs) I got to move every single thing in our pantry. Our pantry is that deep. You know how many things I got to? And it goes from floor to ceiling. I, w- Sometimes we, we just like it our way, don't we? I, I, I like my tea cold with no ice. I know. Some of you like a lot of ice in your tea. I don't. I get tired of rubbing it off of my mustache. <laughs> we need to realize that, that if we're going to get on God's side, that's going to be God's way. And that means we might have to change the way that we do some things. Uh, Let me, I I put the graphic on there. It's in your notes and and put it up. This is the way that that I used to prioritize my life, right? So, So here's my life. Go ahead and put that up there. I would say, you know, in a priority, God's first, right? He always has to be first. Second, I would put my family. Third, I would put church. I would say that everybody ought to do that, but I know I'm a pastor and I think a little differently. And, and then finally, work. Um, some of you are like, no, work is way down. But, but that's how I would used to, if you were to ask me, I would, say, I would say, these are my priorities. This is how I orchestrate my life. But you know what? I've, I found out there's something wrong with that way of thinking. You see, God shouldn't be one of the things in our lives. He should be the center of our lives. And and so looking at it in a list of priorities, God is just the thing in my life. Now, I made him really important, but he's a thing in my life. For for some of you, sports is a thing in your life. For some of you, ballet is a thing. I looked at a guy when I said that. I didn't mean to. Um, Sorry, Don. Um, Golf totally threw me. I didn't mean to do that. Golf could be a thing. Family could be a thing. Relationships could be a thing. Money could be a thing. When we, when we make a list like that, we're making God one of the things in our life, and that's not really, I think, the best way to look at it. Let me show you a better way to look at it. Instead of asking God to join us where, where, in what we do, we should center our lives around him. Put up that next graphic. Now, now, those are just some things I put in there. In your notes, you have blanks. Don't put these things in your blanks. What I want you to do is I want you to put your things in. In those blanks, but you see the difference it makes just looking at it this way you see now I don't have to think is it is it work or family which one do I have to do is it recreation or work which one do I have to partake everything should revolve around God more specifically for us who are believers everything should revolve around Christ everything imagine the difference in our lives if we began to think this way if we if we are or, or transformed by the renewing of our minds, then, then, then let's change the way that we think about this and let's make God the center. What that means is, is that when it comes to my recreation, I say, God, what would you have me do in that area? What would you have me do? God, God might say, you know what? I want you to sell your jet ski. Nobody laughed. There's only like three places in New Mexico to use that. Um, yeah, Elephant Butte and Caballo—they're close enough, an hour and a half away. Growing up in a place where we had lakes everywhere—that just sounds weird. But maybe, maybe it's my work, God. What would you have me do in my work? And, and I know a lot of you are retired. You, you could say, God, what would you have me do in my retirement? Now, I don't know about you, but but we we tend to make plans when I retire. This is what I'm going to do, right? When I retire, I'm never going to get up at 5 o'clock again. I, I'm not going to say that because we have a dog that says, okay, 445 is great with me, you know. When I retire, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm, when I retire, I'm not going to commit to anything. I'm going to travel. When I retire, I'm going to do this. So, so when we talk about work, for those of you who are retired, just substitute retirement. Family. Well, what, if, what if we say, God, What would you have me do in my family, my family relationships? Lord, what would you have me do with my kids? And I know some of you have kids who have kids, and some of you are so awesome that you have kids who have kids who have kids. That means you have great grandkids, and I understand every grandkid is great. Someday, where's my kid? We're not in a hurry, just saying. Um, I don't know. Just something about me being a grandpa didn't, I'm still 20 in my mind. I'm Fifty in my knees, but twenty in my mind. But what if we began to think that way? What if we said, God, what would you have me do in my relationships? For for those of you who are young enough to to still be involved in sports and not have to go to the hospital afterwards, Lord, what would you have me do in my sports, or or if it's band, or or whatever the the things that you're involved in? What, what if? What if, we, what if we change the way that we think of things and put God in the center and said, Lord, I want you to direct every single one of these other things. God, I invite you into that area of my life, and, and I give you free reign of that area, and God, I want to center it all around you. You see, when we make God one of the things in our life, I promise you this will happen. Something is going to take priority over him at some point. But when we make him the center and everything else revolves around him and, and we say, God, what would you have me do here? That changes things, doesn't it? Now now I know I know what, what you may be thinking. Yeah, but if I give God my finances, what if he what if he wants me to do something I don't want to do? If I give God my relationships, what if he tells me to do something I don't want to do? Remember, if you're on God's side, it's God's terms. Take the sandals off of your feet because the place you're standing is holy ground. You can't say, Lord, I give you everything except, God, I'm going to come to you, but I'm going to hold on tight. Look, Cory Ten Boom, you've heard of her. Um, She said, I learned not to hold on to things too closely because it hurts too badly when God pries my fingers loose. (laughs) What if we we said, God, I'm going to put you in the center and in every decision I make, I want you to direct it. And, And you may be thinking, you know what? God doesn't care what kind of car I buy. I think he does. God doesn't care where I live. I think he does. God doesn't care who my friends are. I know He does. <laughs> you you may be thinking, I, "That's just silly." So should I pray about what kind of Bible I get? Yeah. And and you say, "God, I, I just want to change my thinking. And instead of just having You as one of the things in my life, Lord, I want You to be the center. I want You to control everything else." I want everything else to to revolve around you. Think about the difference that would make in your relationships. Think about the difference that would make in your families. Think about the difference it would make in your finances. (laughs) Think about the difference that would make it work. I remember a good friend, God really got a hold of him while he was here. We were going through a, a, a study called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And it was talking about sharing jesus with the people that you work with and he says i can't do that i'm a jerk at work (laughs) and god changed god changed the way that he went to work he changed his life there just imagine if we said god i want you to be the center of everything and everything that i do is up to you what a difference that would make what a difference it would make in our church in our community and god help us in our nation if we did that let's pray as we come before you I, I i know what this all comes down to is a matter of trust can we trust you And, Lord, you, you say in your word, without faith, it's impossible to please you because those those who, who come to you must believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who seek you. And, and so, Lord, this morning, I, I pray that you would just help us to gauge where we are in our walk with you. Do we trust you? Do I trust you with my family? Do I trust you with my finances? Do I trust you with my relationships Do I trust you with my hobbies? Do I trust you with where I live? Lord, can I trust you with every aspect of my life? And God, we know, we know in our head, the answer is yes, we can, because you are good and you are faithful and you are true and you are mighty and that you know what's best for us and you can do what's best for us. So God, we can trust you to do what's best for us. Every single time, even though it doesn't, It's not all about us. It doesn't revolve around us. We know that, God, you can work for your good. I'm sorry, for our good and and for your glory. And so, Father, I pray this morning as your Holy Spirit speaks to us that you would just help us to trust you enough to lay these things at your feet, to say, God, I want you to be the center. I I want you to... To be the thing that every aspect of my life revolves around and that every decision I make, every action I take, everything would revolve around you. God, that means we have to give up control. It means we have to come to you on your terms with our hands off of everything that we would call ours. And God, it means we have to come to you, and and with the idea that we're going to do things your way, no matter how crazy it might sound to us, no matter how countercultural it is with this world that we live in. That God, we say everything that we are and everything we have is yours, and we want you to direct us. We want you to guide us. And God, the answer is yes before you even tell us what it is that you want us to do, Lord. Help us to trust you that way. And God, if there's anyone here today who's never come to the place where they've trusted Christ as their Savior, Holy Spirit, just draw them to you. I I pray that, Lord, you would help them to to see their need for Christ because of their sin and then the provision that you've made for us through Jesus on the cross, that that on the cross, He took our sin and our punishment so that we could have a right relationship with you. That, God, if we simply trust, if we simply believe in Jesus as our Savior and Lord, God, that you change everything for us. Lord, give us the courage and the strength to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.